Greetings in the wonderful name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Welcome to another broadcast of The Bible Stands. I look forward to this time each day when we can gather together by radio for another message from God's Holy Word. We're continuing the series of messages on the Satanic Delusions of the Last Days. This is a study of the second chapter of the Apostle Paul's second letter to the church at Thessalonica. Let me open today's message by reading 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they received not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. It's the Holy Spirit of God who came into the earth in special local presence for his ministry to the church on the day of Pentecost, who is holding back the spread of overt evil during this age of God's grace. He is to continue this ministry of restraint against the total spread of the power of Satan's mystery of iniquity until he goes out from the midst of humanity. This will happen on the day of Jesus Christ, when the Lord will appear in the air to catch his church out of the earth. Then also the Holy Spirit, who came to indwell the church, will be taken from his residential ministry in the earth, and his restraining power will be removed. Then will Satan be able to assume control over the entire earth, and then will this great adversary be able to place his man on the throne of the earth. Paul is speaking of that time when God's Holy Spirit has just been taken out of the midst of humanity when he writes to the Thessalonian Christians, and then shall that lawless one be disclosed in his true identity, whom the Lord shall slay with the breath of his mouth, and render inoperative by the sudden appearance of his personal presence. Even before the Apostle Paul provides his readers with certain prophetic announcements concerning the source and magnitude of the power of this man of lawlessness, this wicked one, he first gives assurance that the length of this man's rule over the earth is limited. Even though God the Holy Spirit has been caught up out of the earth and his restraining ministry of this age is no longer being exercised, God is still in control as he brings about his purposes to establish Messiah's kingdom on the earth. It is after the rapture of the church, after the catching up of the local presence of the Holy Spirit, that the great world dictator, the Antichrist, the man of sin, is to have his unveiling, his apocalypsis, to the residents of the world. It is to be the satanically controlled mystery cult, which the Apostle Paul refers to as the mystery of iniquity or the mystery of lawlessness, that is to unveil the man of lawlessness to the world when God's restraint is removed after the church has been taken out of the world. But it is to be the Lord himself who ends the career of this man of lawlessness. The Lord Jesus Christ will descend from heaven with the armies of heaven, he will come as King of kings and Lord of lords, and he will destroy Satan's hold over the earth. The man of sin is to be destroyed with the breath of his mouth. The Apostle John was actually allowed to witness the destruction and neutralization of both this man of sin, the beast, and his false prophet in that prophetic vision that's recorded in Revelation chapter 19, verses 19 and 20. John writes, and I saw the beast, the man of lawlessness, 
and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war against him that sat on the horse, that is, against the Lord Jesus Christ, and against his, the Lord's, army. And the beast was taken, and we can know from Second Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 8 that he was taken by the power of the breath of the Lord's mouth. And with him, the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, with which he deceived them that had the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive into a lake of fire burning with brimstone. Gehenna. The power used to take this man of lawlessness and his false prophet from the earth to transform their mortal bodies into immortal bodies and to transport them into Gehenna was the same power that created the universe. That power came from the breath of the Lord's mouth. But after Paul assures the readers of his second epistle to the Thessalonians that the career of Satan's man of sin will come to an end in accordance with a time schedule foreordained of God, he goes on to provide certain prophetic information about this evil character. Paul strongly asserts certain facts about this man that are only hinted at in other prophetic scriptures. He also provides information about his rise to power that is not found in any other part of God's word. A very literal and direct translation of Paul's original Greek of verses 9 through 12 would read as follows, whose coming is according to the working of Satan in every power and signs and wonders of falsehood and in every deceit of unrighteousness in them that perish because the love of the truth they receive not for them to be saved. And on account of this, God will send them a working of error for them to believe what is false that they may be judged all who believe not the truth, but delighted in unrighteousness. First, Paul states that the coming of this man and his unveiling to the world is after the working of Satan. That is, it is according to Satan's master plan, which he has been busily at work trying to bring to fruition in the earth ever since the earliest centuries of the post-flood world. Paul had earlier said in verse 7, for the mystery of iniquity doth already work. The mystery of iniquity was operating in Paul's day, and it has been operating ever since that day in an organized cult of men who have sold themselves out to Satan and to his demon army. This working of Satan will be successful in its goals after the Holy Spirit of God is taken out from the midst of humanity at the time of the rapture of the church. This, of course, should alert those who know and believe God's word to the fact that as this age draws on toward its end, this satanically driven mystery cult will become more and more prominent in the political and religious affairs of the earth. It should become increasingly obvious that there definitely is some political and religious force behind these seemingly illogical and supposedly unrelated events in the world that are relentlessly moving the entire globe more and more toward a unified one world religious and political system. The man of sin is to be revealed after the working of Satan. The working of Satan in the earthly sphere is through the mystery of iniquity through that mystery cult of Babylon, which traces its history all the way back to the Tower of Babel. Therefore, Paul's prophecy tells us that a cult, whose goal it is to bring a one-world system of political and religious control over the earth, will become very powerful in the days just preceding the Lord's appearing to take his church home at the time of the rapture. 
the tentacles of this organization will reach into every political subdivision of the earth. Members of this international mystery cult will make it their goal in life to acquire the highest political offices in the governments of all the nations. Men will be trained from birth just for the political role that they are expected to play in their respective governments. All of the machinery of the world mystery cult, the world conspiracy, will be brought to bear in seeing that these trained candidates reach the high offices that have been marked out for them. When they're placed in their positions of political power, their loyalty will be not to the sovereign nation whose government they now control, but rather to the international mystery cult which placed them in high office. Their entire aim is to bring each respective and specific nation under the control of the international conspiracy. When the time comes, when everything is at last poised and ready, and when God the Holy Spirit is taken up from his restraining ministry in the earth, then these international traitors will deliver their respective nations up to the one world system that has always been the goal of this master plan. The top man of this pyramid organization whose identity will be a secret even to his own subordinates who are more than two ranks below him, will suddenly be placed in a position where he is the political ruler of the world. Then his identity can be revealed to the world. Then he can be unveiled for all the world to see. Then he can begin his program of destruction in the earth. This is the unveiling of which Paul speaks. Those who read and understand this inspired letter of Paul should not be surprised when they're made aware that this kind of working of Satan is going on in the earth. Paul has forestated that the man of sin will be placed in power by an international mystery cult, one which already existed in his day, but which would not be permitted to achieve world power until the end of the age. When God's purpose for the church is finished, all of the machinery necessary to place the man of sin into a position of world control will already be a reality. Such a mystery of iniquity is working in the world today. The international order of the Illuminati, with its worldwide subsidiaries, has in our day achieved the degree of international control necessary to bring Satan's master plan into fruition. But the church is still in the earth. God's Holy Spirit still restrains. This, very likely, will not be the condition of things very much longer. I see that my time is almost gone for today. We'll continue our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 on the next broadcast exactly where we leave off today. It's so good to greet you once again in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Welcome to another broadcast of The Bible Stands. I hope you can give me your undivided attention for the next 15 minutes, because I have a most important message from the Word of God. We're continuing our study of the second chapter of 2 Thessalonians. Let me again read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And then shall that wicked be revealed whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. The coming of this personage, whom the Apostle Paul calls the man of sin, 
will not be just by the natural working of an international conspiracy of satanically inspired men. The direct supernatural power of Satan will also be at his disposal as he assumes control of all the world's political and religious institutions. Paul has told us earlier in verse 4 that this man opposeth and exalteth himself above all that is called God or that is worshipped so that he as God sitteth in the most holy place of the temple of God proclaiming himself to be God. For one to claim to be God, the supreme deity of the universe, that one would be expected to exhibit powers that extend beyond the natural. Satan, the most powerful of the created beings of the universe, does have at his disposal vast quantities of supernatural power. When God does not restrain him in the usage of this power, he is able to work great miracles in the earth. The restraining power of the Holy Spirit of God will no longer stand in opposition to the operation and display of Satan's occultic powers. Satan will deliver these powers to that man whom the Apostle Paul has called the son of the destroyer. The world will be subjected to a display of supernatural power such as never before has been observed by natural man. Paul writes to the Christians at Thessalonica and to us, whose, the man of sins, coming is according to the working of Satan in every power and with signs and with wonders of falsehood. Satan will withhold nothing from his false Christ as this man comes into power to fulfill Satan's age-long ambition for controlling all the people of the earth from one central throne. This man will have at his disposal every occultic power which Satan, the former Lucifer, is capable of giving to him. So as he asserts his claim that he is God, he will back this claim by the performance of occultic miracles. The dwellers upon the earth will be convinced that it is truly God who has come down to assume the power of all the world's governments. This is what the Apostle Paul reveals as he says that the man of lawlessness will come with all power and signs and lying wonders. The word for power is the Greek dunamos. And this word refers to all the dynamics of Satan. Every supernatural power possessed by Satan will be delegated to this man. He will use those occultic powers to draw attention to himself and to support his claim that he is indeed divine. A world which has been conditioned to believe that there is no such thing as supernatural power will be stunned by the miracles that the man of sin will perform. The miracles will be real. The one whom the Lord predicted would come in his own name, and him you will receive, is this miracle-working man of lawlessness that Paul writes of in this letter. He will be received by the dwellers upon the earth. Once again, the Apostle Paul says that this man will come in every power and with signs and with wonders of falsehood. The Antichrist will be allowed to exercise all of the occultic dynamics of Satan himself. This man who comes claiming to be God will have at his disposal power to exercise the supernatural. He will control powers that the unbelieving world will think have their source in God alone. And thus they will actually believe that this man who comes in his own name is God. Through his working of supernatural power, the Antichrist will produce signs that are calculated to support his claim to be the one who has the right to rule over the earth. Many of these occultic signs will be counterfeits of the prophetic signs of Scripture which have been given to mark the coming of the true Messiah. Most likely this one will heal the sick, and he may even appear to raise the dead. 
he himself will seem to undergo a death, burial, and resurrection experience. This man will work miracles in which he appears to have control over the very elements themselves. He, most likely, will exercise control over the weather, and he will also command fire to come down from heaven. He will exercise control over spiritual forces. These spiritual forces are the demon spirits of Satan's fallen angelic army. Satan will grant this man, whom the scripture recognizes as Satan's own son in the church, control over that army. The man of sin will come with all signs. But there's still one other category of miraculous happening that will accompany the man of sin as he rises to power. The apostle Paul says that he will come with wonders of falsehood, miracles of deceit. What are wonders of falsehood? What are we to understand by these words that the Apostle Paul here uses? First, the word translated wonders is the Greek word for miracles. Wonders of falsehood are miraculous happenings. They are happenings that supersede the natural law. They are occultic events that are brought about by the power of Satan. They are not the result of trickery, but they are truly miracles. These events are outside the bounds of the natural law. However, these wonders of falsehood are not just miraculous happenings, but they are miracles performed with a specific purpose in mind. They are miracles that are calculated to cause men to believe a false theology. They are miracles that are performed so that those who observe them will believe the lies of the false theology that Satan with his man of lawlessness are to bring into the world. Lying wonders, or wonders of falsehood, represent the direct working of the power of Satan in the earth, so that he may direct the minds of men to believe what he would have them to believe about things that are beyond the earthly sphere. These lies are lies about the nature of God, lies about what stands beyond the immediate sphere of the earth, and lies about man's eternal destiny. Through an intricate master plan, Satan and his Antichrist will stage a series of miracles that will instill in the minds of natural man a totally false understanding of God, of heaven, of earth, and of eternity. These miraculous happenings will be so convincing that anyone who is not firmly grounded in the word of God will be caused to turn from the truth and to turn to the great lie that Satan himself has authored. The philosophy, the theology, and the morality of the tribulational earth is going to be established by the wonders of falsehood that Satan will stage as a part of his bringing of his son of perdition into a position of world power. It would seem logical that even before the church has been taken out of the world at the time of the rapture, Satan would begin staging his wonders of falsehood in preparation for the day when Antichrist is to have his unveiling. As the restraining power of God's Holy Spirit is gradually withdrawn near the end of this age, it should be anticipated that the powers of evil will lay the groundwork that's designed specifically to mislead the outlook of the entire world population. Satan has had his organized mystery cult, Paul called it the mystery of iniquity, and that cult has existed in a real way in the earth ever since the Tower of Babel. The express goal of this cult of men is to bring a one-world political and religious system into reality. Satan did not wait until the church was gone out of the world before he organized this cult and before he began working through it. Similarly, it would not be expected that Satan would wait until the very day of the revelation of the man of sin to begin to propagate his false philosophy and false theology 
among those over whom the man of sin is to rule. He has not waited. The world that we live in today is being subjected to an ever-increasing exposure to Satan's wonders of falsehood. Since 1947, people all over the world have been aware of the appearance of what we've come to refer to as unidentified flying objects, or UFOs. The UFOs often appear as lighted vehicles of unfamiliar design, and they appear to fly both in the atmosphere of our planet and in near space just beyond the upper reaches of the atmosphere. Many persons from all walks of life have observed the UFO phenomena, and the reports of such sightings are too numerous to dismiss them as merely the imagination of the observer playing tricks on him in the presence of some natural happening. UFOs have been sighted and watched by trained engineering and scientifically oriented observers, and they've been tracked by radar, and they've been pursued by aircraft, sometimes with tragic results. There does not seem to be any natural explanation for all of the phenomena that have been observed. At least there does not seem to be any natural explanation for the appearance of the UFOs if one confines himself just to the sphere of this planet and to the realm of mankind. What is the explanation of the UFO phenomena? The world is being exposed to a prime example of Satan's power and trickery. The world is now experiencing a major satanic delusion, one that is designed to present a false concept of man, of God, and of the universe. Satan is now, in the present, preparing this gullible world for the coming of his man of sin. My time is gone for today. On the next broadcast, we'll consider the UFO phenomena, which most definitely is one of the satanic delusions of the last days. Thank you. Welcome to another broadcast of The Bible Stands. Let me once again greet you in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Turn up your radio and give me your undivided attention, because I have a message of tremendous importance for this broadcast. We're continuing our study of the second chapter of the Apostle Paul's second epistle to the Thessalonians. This chapter deals with satanic delusions of the last days, and today we're going to consider one of the most significant of these delusions we're going to consider the so-called UFO phenomenon. Let's refresh our minds with the words that Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8-10. through 10. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. Men of our day are faced with the dilemma of not being able to deny the reality of the appearance of the unidentified flying objects, UFOs, yet at the same time not being able to find any earthly, natural explanation for them. Modern men, for the most part, are not oriented to accepting a supernatural explanation to these observed phenomena. Therefore, they look beyond the earth to what they feel is a space-age natural explanation for the existence and the appearance of these strange objects which have been observed not to obey the laws of physics as we presently understand them. To escape from this dilemma, 
men are willing to postulate the existence of other worlds, other planets, beyond the limits of our solar system, which are populated by living creatures similar to men of this earth, yet who are perhaps several million years more advanced on the so-called evolutionary scale than are the inhabitants of this planet. They postulate that these creatures from other worlds have perfected space travel and that now they are exploring our planet as a part of their expanding space program. The technology of the space travelers is supposedly vastly superior to ours and they have learned to overcome some of the things that now appear to us as physical limitations upon our own technology. Also, it's assumed that these space travelers have learned to solve political, social, and religious problems that at one time also stood in their path of advancement. Perhaps, the speculators say, we have a great deal to learn from these products of evolution from other worlds, and perhaps when they at last openly communicate with earthlings, they'll be able to direct this world into a new order of political, social, and religious organization a new order that will forever end strife among men and that will create the sort of utopia which is conducive to our world's going onward and upward in technological progress. The speculations of men who are confronted with the phenomena of the UFOs go even beyond this. Since the first modern-day encounter with UFOs on a widely publicized basis in 1947, men have gone back and found some eyewitness accounts of encounters with UFOs that took place well beyond the advent of modern technology. Some of these accounts took place several centuries ago, and yet the reports are strikingly similar to modern-day reports of UFO encounters. This, to the speculators, seems to indicate that our visitors from outer space have been visiting the Earth for an extended period of time. Perhaps their visitation actually started back several thousand years ago. Perhaps some of these encounters of advanced spacemen with primitive Earthmen are what led to the formation of the religions of the Earth. Primitive, non-technological men encountering these highly advanced beings from other worlds might have mistaken them for gods. These primitive earthmen would have assumed that their visitors were supernatural, and so they would begin to worship them as deities. Perhaps even the writers of the scriptures really encountered space travelers when they thought that they had experienced an encounter with Jehovah. This, they say, could account for the arousal of man's religious nature, and it could therefore account for the origin of all religions. Books like Eric von Daniken's Chariots of the Gods now expound such theories, and more and more men and women are accepting them. There was a time when such speculative concepts, as those just described, were relegated to the fertile imaginations of the writers and readers of science fiction. Most of the men and women who populate our Earth took little time to think about such things, and those who did think about them considered such concepts to be only fantasies. But since the relatively recent widespread appearance of the UFO phenomena, a major part of the world's population now takes quite seriously the idea that there are alien beings from other space worlds beyond our solar system, and that these space beings are now visiting our planet. The observed performance of these strange vehicles, as UFOs are believed to be, is beyond the reach of our present technology. In fact, these vehicles actually defy the laws of physics and if the people of the world were conditioned to believe in the existence of the supernatural, then they might actually conclude that the UFOs perform in a supernatural way. 
However, since most of the civilized world does not believe in the supernatural, then they must relegate the observed performance of these vehicles to an advanced technology far superior to our own. The only source of such technology would seem to be these postulated aliens from other worlds, other natural worlds, who have invaded the sphere of this world. If the humanity of this world accepts an advanced technology as one of the characteristics of such an alien race, then they are also ready to accept an advanced system of philosophy, an advanced system of theology, and an advanced system of human morality from these same aliens. is prepared to accept these concepts. The idea of a one-world government and a one-world religious system with a single superman at the head of such a system could be accepted if such views were to come from those who are purported to be ambassadors to the earth from a highly advanced world that once faced our planet's problems yet have solved them at this present time. These aliens could very well claim to have even established all of our world's religions through earlier visits to the planet. Indeed, they could claim to have been responsible for the writing of our scriptures, and they could claim that the promised and prophesied Messiah of the Hebrew scriptures was simply the prediction of the world leader that they were to bring to this earth when the earth was sufficiently mature to receive him. This one, whom they will bring into power, will be, according to them, the long-awaited God-man, and he will be the fulfillment of the hopes of all the world's primitive religions. He can claim to be God, and he can sit in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. The true explanation of the UFO phenomena lies in the fact that the earth has encountered some of Satan's wonders of falsehood. Satan and his demon hordes are responsible for the appearance of UFOs. These appearances are calculated to lead to the very speculations just described. Satan is preparing the earth for the advent of his world system and for the unveiling of his false Christ. He's doing this through his wonders of falsehood. As God's Holy Spirit gradually withdraws his restraining power in these last days of this age of grace, Satan is beginning to accomplish on a large scale what has been restricted to only isolated incidents in centuries past. He is producing the materialization of the so-called UFOs, and he is doing this specifically to lay the groundwork in the world and to prepare the mental state of the world to receive both of his world system and his false Christ. Satan and his hordes of demons have the power to produce such materializations. They have been producing visible and tangible materializations at occultic seances for many millennia and the same power that produces plasma bodies for disembodied spirits at a spiritist seance can produce plasma space vehicles for display to a gullible world that has rejected her true messiah. One of the outstanding circumstances concerning all of the UFO sightings of modern times is that after each sighting there never remains any so-called hard evidence supporting the fact that such a vehicle has ever been present. It's true that there sometimes is such evidence as imprints of landing gear in soft soil or perhaps some burned grass, but there is never a piece of material left that can be identified as a part of the departed UFO. There has never been any item of material of foreign origin left as clear-cut evidence that some extraterrestrial vehicle has actually visited the point of the sighting.
There's good reason for this. The UFOs are not material vehicles at all. They are plasma materializations of space vehicles that are brought into existence specifically to deceive. When they have served their purpose, they are dematerialized and there is nothing of a material nature left to testify to the fact that a vehicle was ever present. The living creatures associated with these craft are Satan's demons. These materializations are wonders of falsehood. My time is almost gone, so I'm not going to be able to finish my message on the UFO phenomena on this broadcast. I'll complete this discussion, and I'll introduce another current miracle of falsehood as we continue our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 on the next broadcast. Greetings in the highest name under heaven, the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ. Let me welcome you to another broadcast of The Bible Stands. I'm glad that you've joined us for today's most important message from God's Holy Word. We're continuing our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. On the last broadcast, I discussed the appearance and meaning of today's phenomena of the unidentified flying objects, the UFOs. Today, I'd like to complete that discussion and then introduce another kind of current satanic miracle of falsehood. But first, let's again read 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 10. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming, even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. The appearance of the so-called UFOs is one of the direct manifestations of Satan's miracles of falsehood, lying wonders, that the Apostle Paul says are to be a part of the unveiling of the man of lawlessness. Satan is laying down a vast smokescreen of carefully planned falsehood that is specifically designed to cause men of the earth to believe the lie. Our supposed visitors from space are living beings, but they are not living beings in physical form who have been brought to their present state by the processes of evolution working on some planet beyond our solar system. They are fallen angelic beings who are playing the role of space visitors so that they can cause the world to believe the great lie that's to bring Satan's Antichrist into a position of world power. Satan and his demon army have the occultic power that is necessary to stage the phenomena of the UFOs. When God permits, these personalities of evil may use that power. UFO sightings are real in that occultic power is able to produce materializations of plasma phenomena that can appear to take the shapes that we would expect interplanetary vehicles to have. These plasma decoys can be made to maneuver and perform in ways that simulate the maneuvers and the performance that we might expect from vehicles that were designed by creatures with a highly advanced technology. These plasma apparitions are not subject to the mechanical laws that govern real mechanical motion in the Earth's sphere, so they can be made to appear to accelerate very rapidly, make right-angle turns at tremendous speeds, and hover over any given spot for any length of time. They can take on any shape that the trickster spirit desires them to have. 
They can be seen with the eye, and they can be detected and tracked by non-visual sensors such as radar. But when they have finished their work of deception, they can also be dematerialized. They are then gone forever, and there is no hard evidence left to testify to the fact of their former presence. It is true that, as a part of this trickery, such things as imprints of what appears to be landing gear or burned grass or other kinds of secondary evidence can be left after the materialization is gone. But there is never a part of the materialization itself, a part of the supposed space vehicle, left as evidence that an actual advanced technology machine has actually visited the sighting area. As a part of the deceptive miracle that's being staged, it's possible for such things as the stopping of automobile engines in the vicinity of the materialization or other bizarre electrical phenomena to be accomplished, and which such occurrences would enhance the deceit of the UFO apparition, the lying spirit can be expected to produce these kinds of happenings also. The powers that produce the miracle of the UFO itself can also cause the materialization of alien beings which appear to be the crew and passengers of the vehicles. These alien beings are actually demon spirits who have materialized weird appearing plasma bodies for themselves. Demon spirits have been able to communicate with mankind when God does not restrain them from doing so and therefore the close encounters of the third kind that are being reported today should be expected as a part of the advanced program of deception of Satan's master plan of world conquest. Satan and his demon hordes are manifesting themselves to the world, but not in their true nature as the powers of darkness whose purpose is earthly conquest. Rather, they are masquerading as beings from outer space, beings supposedly from other planets in the galaxy, who purportedly have something to give to mankind. They are presently in the process of staging miraculous happenings, all of which conform to a master plan of deception, and their purpose is to change gullible men's concepts of the universe, of God, and of himself. Their ultimate achievement will be the establishment of Satan's one-world political and religious system in the earth, and their setting of Satan's technological God on the throne of the earth. The UFO phenomenon and all that is associated with it are most definitely manifestations of these miracles of deceit. But the UFO phenomenon is not all of the miracles of deceit, the lying wonders to which the world is being exposed today. The arisal and the renewed practice of all of the occultic arts in the past several decades has resulted in the regular display of miracles that are designed to deceive man as to the true nature of God and as to the source of supernatural power. Many individuals in the world today have turned to religions that worship the demon spirit gods of the ancient cultic peoples of the pagan world. They've done this because they have been led through some mystical experience of a miraculous nature, supposedly by the god or a god of the selected pagan cult. Satan has used his occultic power to accomplish wonders of deceit to lead new recruits to those ancient practices of demon worship. But there's another outstanding phenomenon within the classification of wonders of deceit or lying wonders that has come upon the world in relatively recent years. This phenomenon is designed to deceive mankind as to the true nature of life after death. My reference is to the rash of supposed death and restoration experiences that have come to many people in all walks of life. Both men and women 
who have been designated as clinically dead, yet who've been restored to life by extraordinary medical processes, have returned to life with memories of happenings that supposedly took place while they were dead. These experiences of being out of the body and in a spirit world are almost always reported to be pleasant experiences, even though the one who undergoes the experience is not a believer in Christ. These experiences contradict the Bible, and they also are highly suspect of being wonders of falsehood. Several books have been published in recent years that promote the idea that there is life after death. The authors of several of the more prominent of these books do not profess to know the Lord Jesus Christ as their personal Savior, and the majority of those who have contributed their life after death testimonies for use in these books also make no profession of faith. Yet the unanimous conclusion of all those involved in the preparation of these books is that some part of man does continue to live on in a conscious state after physical death, and that dying is a most pleasant experience. There's no hint that there is any such thing as judgment for sin, as condemnation for the wicked, or as a place of eternal separation from God in store for those who die in their sins without having accepted the salvation offered by God through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. The unsaved who encounter these death and restoration experiences recall nothing but pleasantness and light during their supposed time spent in death, and they report that the being of light whom they encountered while undergoing the experience seemed to have no real interest in their sins and their failures experienced in this life. They were given to understand that all are acceptable by him in his presence regardless of what they had been or what they had done in this life. Again, there was no hint of judgment. Everything was pleasantness and light. These testimonies contradict all of the teachings of God's word. Those who have had such experiences now deny that it's necessary for anyone to be saved through the acceptance of the Lord Jesus Christ as personal Savior while still in this life. They report that all is acceptable and that all are welcomed into the existence on the other side of physical death, no matter what their religions and spiritual experiences have been on this side of the grave. Many who have had these life-after-death experiences believe that they've been sent back into this world of the living so that they may teach others the real meaning of death and how that death is actually a fulfillment rather than a loss. Certain of these have felt so strongly that their mission was to convince others of the truth of life after death that they have become well-known teachers of the occultic arts. They zealously preach that all are going to a better experience in physical death and that life in this present existence should be devoted to self-fulfillment and self-attainment rather than to the devotion or rather than a devotion to the God of creation and to his son whom he sent to die on the cross so that a way of salvation could be open to man. Those who've undergone the so-called life after death experiences have experienced one of the wonders of falsehood that the apostle Paul says is to accompany the unveiling of the man of sin. They've undergone an occultic experience they have not really undergone physical death at all. Rather, they have entered into a comatose state induced by occultic power, and while in that state, which is called death by the attending physicians, they have been given an occultic experience by Satan himself, which is designed to send them back to life with a lying testimony concerning what the death experience is all about. All was accomplished so that Satan might send his message into a sin-filled, gullible world. My time is almost gone for today. 
We'll continue our study of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 on the next broadcast. Let me welcome you to another broadcast of The Bible Stands. Also, let me extend my daily greeting in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus the Christ, to you. I'm glad you've joined our radio family for another message from God's Holy Word. We're continuing our study of the second chapter of the Apostle Paul's second epistle to the church at Thessalonica, and we've been discussing the specific miracles of falsehood that are being displayed in the world today. Before we continue our discussion, let's again read Paul's words of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 8 through 11. And then shall that wicked be revealed, whom the Lord shall consume with the spirit of his mouth, and shall destroy with the brightness of his coming even him whose coming is after the working of Satan, with all power and signs and lying wonders, and with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish, because they receive not the love of the truth, that they might be saved. And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie. The man of sin will be revealed to the world as a part of Satan's package deal of the big lie. As the day of the Lord comes upon the world, the groundwork for Satan's plan of world conquest will be well laid. Satan will have used all of the occultic power at his disposal to condition the population of the world for the world reign of Antichrist. Even the concepts that are held concerning the nature of the universe, the nature of God, and man's origin and destiny will have been altered by a persistent series of occultic miracles each designed to counter God's word and to promote the lie of the adversary. In verses 9 through 12 of 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, the apostle writes these words, The coming in presence of whom, that is, the man of sin, is according to the operation of Satan in the sphere of miracles, demonstrating power and attesting miracles, and miracles of a startling, imposing, amazement-awakening character, which deceive and whose coming and presence is in the sphere of every kind of wicked deception geared to the gullibility of those who are perishing. This gullibility being caused by the fact that they did not accept the love of the truth to the end that they might be saved. And because of this, God sends them a strong deluding influence resulting in their believing the lie in order that all might be judged who did not believe the truth but took delight in wickedness. Deceit is the most prominent and best used tool of Satan in his work of turning men and women from the truth of God and from belief in the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Deceit and falsehood are the outstanding characteristics of this being of wickedness, and they have been his characteristics since the very day in which he was created. In describing this prince of the powers of darkness to the Pharisees who contended with him during the days of his earthly ministry, the Lord said, He was a murderer from the beginning, and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own, for he is a liar, and the father of it. The Lord says that falsehood was a part of Satan's makeup from the very beginning, that is, from the time of his creation. It did not take millions and billions of years of existence before he displayed what he was and what was in him in his rebellion against God. Satan's rebellion came after the elapse of only a very short time period, probably only days as measured in earth time, after God created the host of heaven. The Lord used the direct article when he spoke of the lie. He said, when he speaketh the lie, he speaketh of his own. 
The Apostle Paul also used the direct article when he said in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2 and verse 11, And for this cause God shall send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie. Both the Lord and the Apostle Paul were speaking prophetically of the same big lie when they spoke and wrote the words that are contained in these two passages of Scripture. They were speaking of the lie that Satan is to use to bring about the reign of sin over the earth in the opening days of the day of the Lord. Satan's campaign of deceit will be spread far and wide by all power available to him both before and during this critical period in the earth's history. The Apostle Paul told the Thessalonian Christians that the coming evil world ruler, the Antichrist, the man of sin, will come upon the world scene in every deceit of unrighteousness geared to the gullibility of those who are perishing. Those who are perishing are the unsaved of the earth. They are those who have rejected the gospel of Jesus Christ as it has been preached during this age of grace. They are those who chose to go their own way even when they were fully aware of the message of the gospel. They are those who, although they were aware of the imputed righteousness available to them through the shed blood of the Lord Jesus Christ, took pleasure in unrighteousness. These are the ones to whom Antichrist will be revealed with every deceit of unrighteousness. All of the occultic power available to Satan and to his demon army will be exercised in the bringing off the big lie of Antichrist upon a gullible, unregenerated population of a lost world. This big lie will incorporate all of the features of a totally false theology, a totally false philosophy, and a totally false morality. The idea of mass salvation for all mankind through the total upheaval of all former social order and the establishment of a new social order will be included in this lie. The big lie will present the concept of Satan as God, and it will present Satan's theology as the theology of the universe. All of these great changes in the thought structure of unsaved men and women will be geared to the gullibility of a race that has rejected God and his truth and has been gradually conditioned to accept Satan and his lies. On the last broadcast, I mentioned the life-after-death experiences that are happening to many unsaved men and women in the world today. When unrestrained by the Holy Spirit of God, Satan has the power to accomplish miracles of this nature. The purpose of these miracles is to present falsehood to the inhabitants of the world, falsehood that is specifically designed to cast doubt upon the truthfulness of God's word. It's to prepare the thinking processes of the population of the world for the presentation of the great spiritual lie of the man of sin. The world is to believe that man should not fear death, but that man should look forward to death as a most pleasant experience. The lie says that there is no need for anyone to prepare himself for death in any spiritual way because all are acceptable just as they are by that being of light who awaits just on the other side of the grave. Whether one has been a Christian, Jewish, Muslim, pagan, agnostic, atheist, or whatever in this life, he is still welcome on an equal basis with all others on the other side of the grave. As a part of this present-day working in the earth, Satan is causing more and more of these apparent death and restoration to life experiences among the population of the earth. A feeling of well-being about death is being produced in the hearts of those who have no relationship with Jesus Christ. The scriptures seem to indicate that the man of sin himself is to undergo a death, burial, and restoration experience. This is Satan's counterfeit of the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, 
And that experience is to convince the world that this one who comes in his own name truly is the long-expected Messiah. Satan is laying the groundwork for the great lie that's to place his man on the throne of the world right now in our own time. He's changing the world's concepts of God, of man, and of life after death by these wonders of falsehood. The Christian should not be surprised at this. The Apostle Paul has said that the man of sin will come with all power and signs and wonders of falsehood. Satan knows the weaknesses of the fallen human nature. He knows the fallacies in the thinking processes of the unregenerated human mind. He knows the areas of gullibility of rebellious men and women who are going on in their rebellion against the true and living God who is their creator. The elements of his big lie are designed to take advantage of all of those weaknesses. His man of lawlessness will come preaching a theology of human works, a salvation by man's own efforts. He will teach that all men are divine and that through the mechanics of evolution all men will someday be gods. He will preach what men want to hear. He'll come with all deceivableness of unrighteousness in them that perish. Men will be taught to ignore the gospel of Jesus Christ. They'll be taught that salvation is within themselves. Satan's lie says that there is no need for a savior because man is not a sinner by nature. There's a spark of the divine in all of us and that spark only needs to be fanned into a flame to let us all become as gods. This lie is what the Apostle Peter refers to as damnable heresies in 2 Peter chapter 2 and verse 1. Those who believe Satan's lie will be forever separated from God's truth. If I'm speaking to one today who has never come to the Lord Jesus Christ for that so great salvation that he offers, won't you do so now? Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. I see that my time is almost gone for today. Join us again on the next broadcast as we continue with our study of Satanic Delusions of the Last Days, our study of 2 Thessalonians, Chapter 2.